Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? I am excited this morning because I have witnessed God's providence in the music that has been flowed out today and even change of sermon this morning and rejoicing in God's goodness. We have in our hands, I hope you do, a copy of God's Word. God's Word that He has given to us to communicate to us who He is and who we are to communicate to us what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do, to communicate to us his purposes. And we learn some intriguing things in the Scriptures. You know, it all wasn't written at one time and published in one volume. It was inspired by God, where God moved individual men over a period of over a thousand years to record what we now have today complete. And as time went by, it built upon itself. And we read in 1 Corinthians, which is in the New Testament, which means that it was inspired and written after Jesus lived on this earth, died, was buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven. And we read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, the last verse. According as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. According as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Before we launch in together, let us pray. Great God, we bow to you and give you thanks for your word. Help us to understand and help us to apply it. Help me as I share. Help me to explain with clarity. And dear Spirit, I pray that you would do the real work here and move among your people and each one who hears your word today. Do a work of us. For today, there is no flesh to glory in. We cannot boast in ourselves. We will not boast in ourselves. Rather, we boast, we glory, we praise you. Help us to do just that today. Reveal yourself to us, we pray. Amen. I ask you this question this morning. Perhaps you have a bulletin and you saw the sermon title. Will you help me complete the sermon title? Will you help me complete the sermon title? Glory and boast in blank. I see a hand up. What is it? God. You're right. That's the answer. That's the answer that we need to put in there. But do we? I ask you this morning, and that's the reason I left it blank, because each of us today have to consider our own hearts myself included. In what do I glory? What does glory mean? Boast, rejoice in, celebrate. What do I get excited about that I have to tell people about? What do I lift up in my passions and desires? What do I despise? 
It all impacts and is impacted by the things that we glory in, by the things that we boast in. If you look here in 1 Corinthians, you'll notice here in verse 29 this declaration. No flesh should glory in His presence, God's presence. Will you think about that for a moment? No flesh. You know who that is? You and me. No flesh will glory in His presence. Whose presence? God's presence. If we, each one of us are walking, walking humbly with our God, we will not boast except in Him. The context of this here is a teaching given very specifically to the church at Corinth. Really, because the gospel message of Christianity was a struggle to be accepted by the religious Jews and by the godless pagan Gentiles. And God's using the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Corinth where there are both Jews, ethnic and religious, and Gentiles, non-Jews, who are generally godless or pagan. And he's saying to them, Christianity is for both of you, and you're both going to have trouble with it. Because for you Jews, it's going to be something you're going to trip up on, you're going to stumble over, partly because of your spiritual pride. We don't have a lot of time to go into all of the details this morning. And the Gentiles, they just look at it and say, that's foolishness. That just is a weird message. And Paul is addressing that and saying, listen, it is not about you glorying in, you boasting in your wisdom or your religion. It is about boasting and glorying in the Lord, in God. This is why, let us read the context. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh, human beings, should glory in His, God's presence, but of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, this is why, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. A moment ago, I mentioned and shared that the Bible wasn't written all at once, but that some was written and it was spread out over a period of time. And here we see a declaration of that. Paul is writing and saying, this is already known because it's already been written. Well, who wrote it? When was it written? Well, it was written several hundred years before 
during the days of Jeremiah. In fact, it actually came as a sermon that was preached in the gate of the temple in Jerusalem in the days of Jeremiah before Jerusalem had been ransacked by the Babylonians. Jeremiah preached a message that's found in beginning in chapter 7 of Jeremiah and continues over several chapters. And in that sermon, he declared this truth and this reality. And what's going on here is the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in particular, is actually writing a sermon to the church at Corinth based upon a text in Jeremiah to convince this church that there is nothing that you and I can boast in for salvation or religious clout other than in God. Let's go back to the sermon of Jeremiah. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, I printed it also on the front of our bulletin this morning. If you have a bulletin, you'll see these two verses. These two verses sum up and create the foundation that Paul wrote on. And what is it all about? Jeremiah preached this message and said, Jeremiah 9, 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So I ask you the question again. What do you glory in? What do you boast in? Now, most of us, we know bragging's wrong. And we get irritated when other people do it, right? Am I the only one? Right? Do we get irritated when other people are boasting, bragging, kind of rubs us wrong? <sighs> so we don't do it, or do we? You see, we may not be going around boasting, bragging about ourselves, but in our hearts, we do glory in something or some things. What is it? I'd like you to fill in two blanks today. And only you can do it. So two questions. What should I not glory in? And what or who should I glory in? You see, we got to deal with both. Because if we don't deal with what we got to stop glorying in, then we're in trouble. Because it's not enough to just say glory in God. 
Because if we're glorying in God and glorying in something of our flesh, of our success, of, of us, then we're not really glorying in God. Do you follow? We have to empty ourselves of what we got to stop boasting in and glorying in in order for us to turn and look to glory in God. And a key element of doing that is confession. To admit it. And that's why I ask you, you and me, fill in that blank. What is it that I've got to stop glorying in? It may be a thousand, well, there's not a thousand people here. Well, you might have a thousand reasons all by yourself of things you've got to stop glorying in. I don't know what they are. But will you ask God to reveal it to you this morning? Some are identified here by Jeremiah. You see, these are the obvious ones. Because these are the ones that you see most of the time people will boast about. Do you see it here in Jeremiah 23? Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. How many of you have ever met a know-it-all? Now, I don't mean the somebody that actually knows it all. I mean somebody who acts like they know it all. You know, all of you should be raising your hand because I've acted like a know-it-all and you all know me. Do we boast in what we know? Or another flip side of that, by the way, to just bring an application illustration, are we willingly ignorant and content to be so? That's glorying in ignorance. You see, both can be true. And God says, let not the wise man glory, and notice it is in his wisdom. I'm going to come back to that in a little while. Don't glory, don't boast in man's wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Um, this, is, this is another one of those things that's kind of like, we kind of look at it and go, that's real immature. We wouldn't do that. But you ever see the bodybuilders? They're, 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 they're the ones who purposely don't wear a shirt. That's what they're doing. They're glorying in their strength. Do we glory in our strength? Things we got figured out. This could be extended to our skills, our abilities. Do we boast in those things? And I don't mean just brag about it, but be prideful in our hearts. Glory, lift up our view, opinion of ourselves because of our strength and or our abilities or our skills. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Well, how's this work? Most of us don't consider ourselves rich. Perhaps we should reevaluate that. Maybe we're actually glorying in our riches by saying we're not really rich. Or the rich who actually do flaunt their wealth. Or the parallel opposite extreme, the one who is a lazy bum and is poor. And despite, you get it? He's poor because he's a bum. He's actually hmm, glorying in riches of his own laziness. Meanwhile, let's flip the coin. 
Another can be glorying in his riches where he is so consumed by the pursuit of wealth, he has lost everything else. You see, the problem is not wealth. The problem is, are you glorying in it? Are you, are you lifting it up? The problem is not with wisdom, but are you glorying in your own wisdom? The problem is not with strength or ability or skill, but are you glorying, are you lifting yourself up in those things? Now, the reason we started over in 1 Corinthians is I wanted to make a point. Here in Jeremiah, Jeremiah preaches and he lists three things. And if you understand the history and the context of what's going on here, these are three things that are extremely relevant to the audience he is dealing with at that moment. They're pretty general, but they're very relevant. Paul in the New Testament used this text and he expanded it to apply to a lot more. And so I ask you to expand it. I ask myself to expand it. Sometimes we can look at this and say, well, I don't glory in wisdom or in might or in riches. Well, look at this in a different way. Ask yourself if you have pride. I ask myself, do I have pride? in the things I know, in the things I can do, and in the things I have. Do you see the parallel? The wisdom, the things I know. The might, the things I can do. The riches, the things I have. Do I trust in, do I boast in, do I glory in anything? Because if I do, the Lord, here is the I am, says, stop. Don't. Because when you're in my presence, you don't know much. You can't do much. And you don't have much. Think about it in contrast to God. What does he know? Everything. He is omniscient. He knows everything. So why would we even think of glorying in what we know? What can he do? Everything. He is omnipotent. He created everything from nothing. He designed everything. Wow. What can we do? I mean, human beings have accomplished some really amazing things, but in the presence of God, not too spectacular. So in his presence, in what would we boast of what we can do? Or what we have? Riches. Riches, Proverbs tells us, can grow wings and fly away. Just like that. What do we have? God has everything, including me and you. He owns everything. He possesses everything. There is no limit in his resources of any kind. And so, this is why the Lord says, do not boast in what you have, what you can do, and what you know. Don't glory in those things. But you know what? We are human beings. 
like to glory. And we like to boast. And I think God knows that. So he's given us something to boast about. He's given us something to talk about. He's given us something to exalt. And you know what it is? Himself. Himself. And now, catch this. Well, we don't have time to go through and exegete all of 1 Corinthians, but part of the point of 1 Corinthians is, is that when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we are put into him. We become one with him. We become one with the all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient God. His spirit fills us. And that should cause us to go forth telling of all his greatness. This was the providence of God in the song that the men sang. That's what we're doing is telling of his greatness, his glory, and his honor. And this is what the Lord says. Verse 23, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Do I understand God? Do I know God? I just now said he's omniscient, he's an omnipotent, and, and, and how can I know him? You can. You know how? Because he's revealed himself to you, and he calls you to know him. Do you know him first in a relationship? Is he your heavenly father? And do you know him in a daily life? Is he your friend? Is he your shepherd? If he is, you know him. Do you understand his ways? Do you understand his character? Well, I think God knows we need some explanation on this. That's why the verse doesn't end there. Unfortunately, on my page, this verse ends at the bottom right here. But I'm glad that the word that made it on this page. Because I might get here and go, that's a tall order. But thank goodness that that made it. Why? Because God's going to explain to us if we're wondering. So I don't know you, God. I don't understand you, God. What do I need to know about God? What do I need to understand about God? And so he says, I'm glad you asked. That I am the Lord. There's significance in that. He's the I am. He's the God. He's God. He's the one who is always has been, is, and always will be. He is the I am. He is Jehovah. He is God. He's the Lord. All caps. Which exercise loving kindness, judgment, which is justice, and righteousness, that which is right, in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So if we want to understand and know God, we need to know what things he delights in. What things does he glory in? What things does he boast in? Loving kindness, judgment, which is justice, righteousness, which is what is right. And you know what? It's not just some empirical, untouchable thing. He does it on the earth. He does it in our lives. 
These are things that he loves. And by the way, this is just introduction. As we live our lives, as we know more and more about God, we will learn more and more and more and more and more about God. Again, the reason why I wanted to start in 1 Corinthians before coming to Jeremiah is because over in 1 Corinthians, the preacher there decided to take the liberty and call his people to expand it because when there it's listed of what it is, he talks uh, about his wisdom and his righteousness, his sanctification, and his redemption. He added to the list. So I ask you to add to the list. Here's the key. In that moment, when you identify on those two questions I asked, in in what should you not glory or stop boasting or glorying in? Answer that question. Actually, take take a piece of paper and write a phrase, write a word. What do you got to stop in? And then what should you replace it with? Can I encourage you in something? Consider how what you wrote down in the first question is answered by the glory of God. So let's take the parallel of what's going on here. If it is in your knowledge, your wisdom, then what you ought to be glorying in is in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And then when you start doing that, you'll feel about that wise. Let me flip it. What's the opposite of glorying? Fretting. Did you know that if you're fretting in something, that means you're glorying in it? You might say, no way. Yes way. If you are glorying in a fear, write it down. So that then as you consider and know your God, and you know more of him from his word, you'll be able to say, I'm not going to fret which is glorying in myself or my own problems, but I'm going to glory, I'm going to praise in who God is. And there's often, I shouldn't say oftentimes, there is always a parallel, and there is always an answer in the character and the person of God. And we have to find it. He's given us some very basics here. Let's look at some of those the basics, to give this example so that then we can take this model and go forth and live life. Loving kindness. Do you feel unloved? Do you feel worthless? Do you feel unworthy of love? Or let's flip it. Do you think of yourself as the most lovable guy there is? Or that you're the best one at loving? I don't know what my wife's problem is. I'm the best lover. Glorying in it? There. Now for a moment, consider the loving kindness of God. My love just squished. I became really tiny didn't I? Because God is love. He is love. He defines it. He demonstrates the perfection of it. And so if we glory, let's not glory in our love or our self-pity or misery, but glory in the love of God and consider the fact that while I am a sinner, He loves me. While I have defied Him and exalted myself against Him, He loves me. His loving kindness 
You see, it works for both sides of the extremes of, of glorying. His loving kindness doesn't make a difference in our lives. How about his judgment? His justice? We do wrong to others. That's glorying in our own justice. That's my justice. That we feel we have a right to do wrong to others. Or flip it, we have been wronged. In that moment when we're struggling, let's not glory in misery or in <laughs> oppression. Let us glory in the one who is just. The one who is the definition of justice. Who no matter all the injustices we see around us, in the end of time, all will be just. He'll settle it all. And when we begin to consider him as one of judgment, he decrees it to be so, as the judge would pound the gavel. At the end of time, he will pound the gavel, and all will be just. Justice will be exalted across the board. And so whether we are experiencing or wanting to glory in the misery of injustice or glory in the oppression of, of, of injustice, when we behold God and glory in his justice, we're going to stop, aren't we? Application of it. How would you do that? What would that look like in your life? Where is it what you have that you can glory in God to reset your frame of justice and judgment? Righteousness. That which is right. We live in a world right now where everybody's got an opinion, even me about everything. Who's right? <laughs> I'm right, of course. He's wrong. We all got the opinion, right and wrong. What is right and wrong? Let's be really careful that as we're glorying in righteousness, that our righteousness is in his righteousness. Because this guy, I get it wrong all the time but he never does, ever, 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 never. He never gets it wrong. And so when we find ourselves in this issue of debate over what is right or wrong, we need to recognize first that it's not about our opinion, but it's about God's. And our discernment of what is right and wrong needs to be by exalting him and considering what he has said is right and wrong, and that should change us in this earth. Does that make sense? We exalt his righteousness, his judgment, his loving kindness, and we could go on and on and on and consider our human problems and parallel them in contrast to how the person and character of God solves it, balances it, changes it. So this morning... Will you truly take the time with me to acknowledge before God what you need to stop glorying, boasting in? And then write, who of God, what of God will you rather glory in? What's the switch? Will we take the switch? You see, this is the difference, and this is the reason why 
to take, I said we'd come back to this one point of wisdom, is that in the New Testament, a few weeks back we were reading, and it's, you know, it seems like this wisdom, God is speaking of wisdom is a bad thing, but I thought wisdom was good. Proverbs is all about wisdom, right? It's all about wisdom. Wisdom is good, but it's not his wisdom that is the man's wisdom. It's about wisdom that is from above, that's from above. It's from God. We need his wisdom. And as we receive his wisdom, I'll tell you, that's something to glory in. That's something to boast in. In his wisdom. So let us, let us confess. Let us refocus. Confess what we've got to stop glorying in refocus on what we need to start glorying in, which, by the way, is not a what, but a who. might be what about the who, but it's about a who. It's about God. And then move forward in humility, trusting Him for all things. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, move among your people just now, you know each one. You know each thing that we glory in. Whether it be what we know, what we can do, or what we have, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would reveal that to each one, that we might put it on the altar, give it up, sacrifice it, yield it up to you, and rather change our focus to glory in you in who you are and what you are. For you have all the knowledge, all the wisdom, you have all of the strength and the might, and you have all the riches and the things. May we humble ourselves under your hand, commit ourselves to you, we pray. Amen.